May I have your attention, please? Attention, please. I can deal with the trouble friends with a wave of my hand, this very hand. Please observe me if you will. I'm your faithful ginger, Mackenzie. And I'm here to give you a breakdown of a very special River City musical. And joining me today is none other than the Marcellus to my Harold Hill, the Canadian B. Arthur, the John Adams of Canadian theater, the director extraordinaire. It is none other than Autumn Smith. You Hello. Mackenzie Hunter, we got trouble right here in for the Downbeat City. Listeners, welcome to 2022, our first official Ooh. musical episode of 2022. We've done two great reviews, one of yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom with Ms. Jessica Maxwell yeah. and our long-awaited, highly requested review of West Side Story. Yes. That's yeah. right. So much That's to right. unpack. So much. We almost ran as long as the movie. Yeah, we did. Yes. But today, Autumn, what are we doing today? We are coming into 2022 with 76 trombones behind us. And mm-hmm. we are doing Music Man. That's right. The Music Man by Meredith Wilson. That's, That's right. what we're doing today. And it's a Mac choice. Mm-hmm. It certainly but is. It is. So I will give my reason for choosing it. And also my first experience because I've had quite a few experiences in River City. I grew up with this particular show, particularly because I had the song Gary, Indiana as my up-tempo audition piece. I never got the chance to play Winthrop, but I was able to be part of the children's ensemble when when our community theater did it and i got to bring my baritone in as my instrument because i actually did play the baritone in my school band so i actually was able to show up and go i got my own instrument and i can play it properly too but like no mac you have to play it badly that's part of the joke i don't need no harold hill to teach me that's right that's right and then fast forward 10 years later i was part of the stage management team when our lovely guest artistic producer Arcadi produced a roaming site-specific production of the music man that made its way through downtown Barrie. And yes, so I got to contend with that version of music man. Yes, you did. That's right. And then I also saw the 2008 production in Stratford starring Mm -hmm. Jonathan Goad as Harold Hill. And then I saw the most recent version uh, of Music Man directed by Donna Fior. And the reason why I chose it is because having grown up with this show, I looked at it one way. And then as I've gotten older and the world's changed, my perspectives have changed on the show. Like as a kid, I was like, oh yeah, Harold Hill, he's the good guy of the story. Then you go back as an adult and revisit this piece 10 years later and go, is he really, though? Or is Charlie Cowell really the hero of the story? And everybody gets bamboozled because Harold Hill's more charismatic than an anvil salesman. 
who's been tarred and feathered before and is bald. Uh, I don't know. But there's a very interesting correlation between this musical and, dare I say, a former president who also promised his his people a certain thing, never delivered. Then he leaves town, but everybody is still cheering for him at the end, even though the other people are like, he's a huckster. You're dancing in the parlor. and He's robbing you in the bedroom. Like, smart up. And everybody's like, no, 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 we like him. He, he's the best president of all time. He... He's our music man. And it's like, what's the story really saying? What is Meredith Wilson really trying to say? It also has the weirdest ending possible. With the kids play, the parents fawn, and then the last line is the mayor turning to Mrs. Peru going, look, Mrs. Peru, it's Winthrop. Curtain. It's like, really? That's the ending we're going with in this? He's playing. He's playing his coronet. But we already set up when Thrupp's change at the end of Act 1 when he starts singing at the Wells Fargo wagon. It's nothing new revolutionary. No one believes it, and then he's part of the band. He's accepted. Mm. I gotta think this may be a production you mount in Muskoka, Autumn, next holiday season. Oh, totally. I would totally do Music Man. It's about small-town sensibilities, and you know what? If you didn't pick this one, I would have picked this one. This was... My first musical at the age of nine. I tried out for Amaryllis. I did not get the role. But Midnight My Someone was like the first real musical theater song I ever attempted. (laughs) And I became a dancer in the chorus. And the director gave me a little award saying, you just filled the stage with such light and energy. And that. that... Music Man propelled me into theater. So it's either a really great musical or some days it's a really bad musical. (laughs) Depending on who you ask. Depending on the day and where I'm at in my career. But I love it. And I've also done it a second time when I was the dance captain. And that was the time. That was one of those times when I wish I was in theater because I killed my knee. Oh. Um, yeah. So that was the end of the Were you Zanita there. doing all the ye gods? No, 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 no. I was, I I did more dancing than Zanita in this production because I oh, was. Oh, wow. The, yeah, but then on opening night, my knee gave out and I, in the middle of 76 trombones, I did a beautiful hitch kick and landed, boom, right down. But you know what, Mackenzie Horner, with my zest for life, I marched limped myself off stage. <laughs> uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. So love I, I, I love it and it holds a very special place in my heart. Um yeah. as all first musicals do for us. It's um, true. Oliver was my first musical. I have and nobody will ever convince me that that is not a beautiful yeah. show. It's I mean a, yeah. And, yeah and, th- and this is just a and this is just a slice of apple pie Americana classic musical that once you hear it you're like yeah it's in yeah, but you it's, walk it's, away humming 76 trombones but there's there's bigger themes at play right oh like hugely have, yeah you have you know the the challenge you know femininity and what is expected of a woman is challenged mm-hmm. um the type of man that you can fall in love with yep. is challenged mm-hmm. um 
what what builds a community is challenged. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sometimes takes a huckster to come in and shake it up, stir up people's curiosity, and it it makes us believe, right? True. Yes. So you know, maybe it's a little bit like uh, he who shall not be named, the former uh, president. president of our forty-five. Yeah. Um, there is a bit of that in in Harold Hill, and I'm like, I would love to see a production explore the darker side of Harold Hill because I mean, think about it—he's it. a guy who comes in and lies, huh. and then he until Marion Peru. And then you can even question, does he actually love Marion or is he using her as the scapegoat? No, I think he loves her. I think there is a shift. I think there Mm. has to be a shift in this musical. Otherwise, it doesn't work. True. And I think I think he's someone that, um, you know, anyone who pulls a con job constantly Mm -hmm. is searching for something. Again, no one is inherently evil in my books. Right. I know. Even Bill Sykes. Who's not evil at all. He's just a desperate man. We have to give them a a bit of credit. And, you know, like what turns Harold Hill into the Huxman? Yeah. There is a prequel for you. Young Harold Hill and young Marcellus on the road together. Yeah, it'd be great. (laughs) Autumn, let's write it. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've got a list. We've got the list. <laughs> we do. We'll just add it on there. We'll add it on there. Yeah. All but right. for people who don't know what the show is, I'll give them a plot description. Go for it. So the plot of this musical centers around the traveling salesman slash con man, Harold Hill, whose mm-hmm. con is to pose as a boy's band organizer and leader. And he sells band instruments, instruction books, and uniforms to naive Midwestern townsfolk promising to train the members of the new band, but his con ends when with him skipping town without giving any music lessons, as Harold is not a musician. Mm. Instead, he instead he calls him by saying, the children will use the think method, where if they think it, they can play it. So that's the setup. But the musical begins with Harold Hill arriving in the fictional town of River City, Iowa, the town that other salesmen have said they, that his con would never work in. So the townsfolk are stereotypical, stiff, upper lip Midwesterners who do not take kindly to his appearance in their community. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon his arrival, Harold meets up with his former accomplice, Marcellus, who mm-hmm. settled down in the town. And together, they start drumming up a some town hysteria around the new pool table okay. and saying it is a bad influence that will corrupt the children. It will cause trouble. That's right. They will ca- it will cause trouble. So Harold drums all that up and he and he proposes uh then at the local 4th of July town hall assembly run horribly by Mayor Shin, who is just trying to get through his big four score and seven years ago speech and not getting anywhere with it. Uh that they should all invest in his boys band, which after his very invigorating and highly dynamic presentation. They all do, except for the local prim upper uh, stiff upper lip librarian slash piano teacher, Marion Peru, who sees right through him. And then throughout the rest of Act One, Harold is trying to cozy up to her and her family to ensure that she doesn't rat him out to the mayor. And 
she and Marion almost ends up ratting him out by doing some basic research in Gary, Indiana University's alma mater, uh, class of five book to find that he wasn't really there. And she's about to show the mirror of the book. But then the band instruments arrive. Marion's br- younger brother, Winthrop, breaks out into, so- into song and excitement at the band instruments. This warms Marion's heart. And she tears the page out of the book and gives the mayor the book without the actual evidence in it. And thus ends Act 1. Act 2 then has uh, Harold sticking around longer than he should. And Marcellus doing the, you gotta get out of town. And Harold being like, I'm still like trying to woo Mary the librarian here. And to muck it all up, in comes his uh, rival Anvil salesman, Charlie Cowell who has been on a hunt for Harold Hill after he was tarred and feathered and run out of town at the last place Harold Hill pulled his con. So Charlie comes in with the evidence and he runs into Marion, who prevents him from reaching the mayor, or so she thinks. Marion and Harold meet on the footbridge. They have a big duet song together. Marion professes her love. They kiss. And Harold is ultimately caught by the town because Charlie Cowell and the mayor whip them up into a mob saying that he's a fraud, he's a liar, get him. Kill the beast. Exactly. The mob's coming back on him. The mob mentality just keeps showing up. It's a seems to be a continual theme throughout theater. The danger of the mob. life. Hello. I know, right? So, then, Harold is brought to the town hall, and he's about to be tarred and feathered when all of a sudden uh, the band shows up to play, and Harold's put on the spot being like, if they play, he's exonerated. If they don't play, he's getting that tar and feathers, which can actually kill you because it boils you and you can give you a skin infection when they try and rip the tar off. Not great. Anyway, so the boys then play the minuet in G, which is the thing they've been think taught to play. They play it horribly. And you think, oh, that's it for Harold because the band didn't live up to expectations. But no, the parents are, are wowed and enthralled by the fact that Bobby's playing the tuba and Winthrop's on the cornet and all the good stuff. And Tommy Gillis is out front. Yeah, Tommy Gillis is out front. And so Harold is released. Charlie Cow storms off at a, excuse me, out of town in anger. Uh, and Harold and Marion get together and Harold is, it's implied that he decides to stay with Marion. And thus ends the musical. Has she made him an honest man? Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> that is the question at the end of the play. And I think if you wanted to, you could play it a bit differently if you really wanted to end the musical on a bit more of an ominous note. Oh, yes, you could. Yeah. It's like the ending of Twelfth Night. Yes. Is Olivia happy with Sebastian? Mm. Exactly. Da, da, da. Right? And that's exactly yes. it. Yeah. All right. So- Beautifully articulated. Thank you. I tried. I tried. But Autumn. Into my notes. Yes. Who else besides Meredith Wilson do you really have to talk about? I mean, he is the main. Oh, many peoples. Many peoples. All right. All right. So um, Meredith Wilson, his full name is Robert Reiniger Meredith Wilson. So uh, it's really interesting doing like um, these notes on new people. Like we've done, oh, here's Sondheim, time. Here's Lloyd Webber again. Oh, here's Terrence <laughs> Flaherty. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Um, but Meredith Wilson was an American flautist. How exciting. Mm-hmm. Composer, conductor, musical arranger, band leader, playwright, mm-hmm. and author. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's best known for Music Man, but he also wrote other Broadway musicals and composed symphonies and popular songs. He was nominated twice for the Academy Award for Film Scores. This is kind of an, uh, a biographical <laughs> um, thing for uh, good old Meredith. It is. We will get into born. that. Yeah, he was born in Mason City, Iowa. He attended Frank Damrosh's Institute of Musical Art, which later became Juilliard. He was uh, a virtuoso of the flute and the piccolo. The piccolo, the piccolo, the piccolo, too. <laughs> and uh, was accomplished enough to become a member of John Philip Sousa's band. <laughs> and John Philip Sousa. When they yes. all came to town on that very same historic day. Absolutely. There's many things that relate back to his his life's journey. <laughs> so he became a member of the uh, New York Philharmonic under Arturo Toscanini. And then he moved to San Francisco, became a concert director for a radio station, and then the musical director for the NBC radio network in Hollywood. Um, when he was in Hollywood, he worked on films... Um, he wrote the score actually for Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Great which movie. Which is interesting because a lot of Charlie Chaplin's films were, I mean, Charlie Chaplin composed a lot of his own films. Mm-hmm. He also wrote the score for The Little Foxes mm-hmm. and received an Academy Award nomination for that. So, Good for him. I don't know. And then he also did, you know, his Broadway careers. I mean, those are his big, his big. Mm-hmm. Boom! Hollywood mm-hmm. careers, but he had, he had a long storied history in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. For Broadway, he did, of course, Music Man. But then he went on to do the unsinkable Molly Brown. His third Broadway musical was an adaptation of the film Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, Classic. called Here's Love. Classic. I've so many times I've seen that, and that's the one. It's coming to Muskoka next Christmas. Yeah. No. I, I, no. <laughs> his fourth and last and his least famous musical was 1491 which told the story of Columbus's attempts to finance his famous voyage <laughs> that sounds like an interesting premise I know in 1987 he posthumously received the Presidential Medal of Freedom by uh, Ronald Reagan. In 1999, the United States Postal Service issued a postage stamp featuring Wilson. Oh, wow. His boyhood home in Mason City, Iowa, is part of the Music Man Square, which opened in 2002. I thought that was that was really That is cool. Yeah. Until There Was You from the Music Man was a favorite of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And the recording of it was issued on their second UK and US albums with the Beatles and Meet the Beatles. How yep. funny is that? I love that. So that's just a good cover little, of the song. That's a little bit about our uh, friend Robert Reiniger, Meredith Wilson. <laughs> now, the Music Man itself is based on a book that he co-authored with right. Franklin Lacey. Correct. 
Franklin Lacey is a, an American playwright and screenwriter best known for his work on The Music Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. One of his first major works was the play Pagan in the Parlor, and it was directed for the stage by Frankenstein director James Whale. Okay. He also wrote the screenplay for the film Rain for a Dusty Summer, which starred Ernest Borgnine. He worked closely with the author Aldous Huxley on a musical version of his novel Brave New World. <laughs> I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, the producer of the original Broadway show was, I just wanted to say his name, I have to say, because you're going to like Kermit Bloomgarden. It sounds, it sounds like, like a Mel Brooks character from the producers. It does. It, it really <laughs> does. And I was like, Max going to love this because oh. Kermit Bloomgarden. I loved it. Um, it's a great so name. He was an American producer uh, uh, featuring like most of his work was on Broadway. Uh, Death of a Salesman, 1949. Classic. Diary of Van Frank, Music Classic. Man, and Equus. Like, Ooh. come on. These were... Uh, you think that's a bit of an odd one out there. Interesting. I know, but uh, pretty big. Pretty, pretty big. big. Actually, we will get into him because he that is part of my production history is how Bloom Garden came to be part of this project. I know. Strange. Strange. Mm-hmm. The director was... his. Uh, he was born Morton Tukoski. People mm-hmm. called him Tech for short. Mm-hmm. Born in Philly. He began his career on Broadway with the production of Thornton Wilder's Skin of Our Teeth, mm-hmm. starring Tallulah Bankhead. Classic. So there were a lot of really great people who worked on this. Indeed. Uh, later, he made his stage directing debut with The Gray-Eyed People. Hmm. Uh, he was known for a string of Broadway productions, Plain and Fancy, No Time for Sergeants, Anti-Mame, and of course, Music Man. He also directed the film's Anti-Mame, Music Man, an island of love. Sounds good. The uh, Broadway production of Music Man earned him a Tony Award for Best Director of a Musical. The choreographer, are you ready? I'm ready. Give it to me, Autumn. Ona White was a Canadian choreographer and dancer nominated for eight Tony Awards. Wow. Fiona. Woo-woo, Canadian representative. She was born, it gets more hilarious. She was born in Inverness, Nova Scotia. Okay. How amazing is that? That this Nova Scotian girl went to Broadway, made big. Great. Yep. Love it. Um, uh, so Ona White uh, began dance dance lessons at the age of 12. And eventually took her uh, studies to the San Fran Ballet. And that's where she did her full, first full-length U.S. production of The Nutcracker. And then her first Broadway performance was in Finian's Rainbow. Her next assignment was Guys in Dolls, in which she both performed and assisted the choreographer Michael Kitt. And this began an association that lasted through various productions until in 1956, she choreographed her first Broadway show, Carmen Jones. So she was quite a prolific uh, Broadway director, but she also was responsible for several films, including, ready? Ready. Music Man, Bye Bye Birdie, 
Maine, Oliver, and 1776. Oh, wow. So almost basically almost all the shows we've covered, except for Birdie, which may be coming sooner than you think. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> there Kids. we go. I tell you. Now, Kids. so that's it. Wow, that's you. Look at you go. Oh, that was pretty articulate and concise. You were. You Thank absolutely you. were. Bravo. Bravo. Right. Thank you. Okay. So I will say that majority of my notes for this come from Meredith Wilson himself in his book, but he doesn't know the territory that behind the story behind Meredith Wilson's The Music Man. And you own this book, you right? I, I have bought this book for, for this recording and I read all 175 <laughs> pages and now I've truncated it into my notes. So buckle in, Autumn ten Smith. Pages. Hold. Go. Not 10 pages, it's four. Five. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> so the musical be- this musical began in 1951 when Meredith Wilson was approached by Broadway producers Ernie Martin and Cy Fuhrer, the producers of Some Doll, Some Doll, Guys and Dolls. Oh. Mm-hmm. They were they 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 were they were wanting him to write a musical comedy inspired by Wilson's book, and there I stood with my piccolo. Uh, Wilson initially struggled to write the piece. He had a lot of writer's block. And after about six months of writer's block, Wilson took his collection of essays and 20 songs and began to write his piece. The first draft included a subplot centered around a spastic boy who was confined to a wheelchair. This was an element of the draft Wilson was proud of because this wasn't the typical character seen in musical comedies. Uh, In this draft, the plot mainly revolved around Harold Hill finding a musical instrument for the boy so he could play and be part of the band. The instrument of choice was a silver triangle, hence the original title of the show, The Silver Triangle. According to Wilson's approximations, the first draft ran nearly three hours and 45 minutes. Whoa! It was yeah. two hours too long. But Wilson took his work and presented it to Cy and Ernie, who both eagerly ate up this work and planned to mount the production after their productions of The Boyfriend and Silk Stockings, with Josh Logan penciled in to direct. And we know Josh Logan because he did what, Autumn? Don't test my memory right now. South Pacific. Okay. Yes, that's... That's 20 episodes ago. I know. I Come know. on. I know. I know. So anyway. notes, everybody. Seriously. <laughs> so anyway, Ernie and Cy recommended that Wilson not touch the base of the manuscript or the music, but instead prune and shift the plot points around. They recommended changing the musical's title, The Silver Triangle, and reconsidering The Spastic Boy and to put greater focus on the love story plot. Is that what they say? Yep. Huh. They 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 want they they were like that spastic boy shouldn't be your central plot. It should be the love story. Cut the spastic boy. Uh, and then a few weeks later, Sai's the one that came up with the title of the Music Man. 
and pitched it to Wilson being like, hey, I got us our title, the music band. And Wilson was like, okay, that works for me. <coughs> Wilson then kind of had a little bit of an adventure on his own, going out to LA and working on music band <coughs> on the side. And then in the summer of 1955, Ernie and Wilson decided to partner up and refine the book together. Mm. And it was it was the first day of their editing process that Wilson presented the song 76 Trombones, which he had written before he started the partnership. 76 trombones led the big parade with 110 cornets close at hand. They were followed by rows and rows of the finest virtuosos, the cream of every famous band. And Ernie was enthralled. He loved it. Uh, and then throughout the summer of 55, Wilson continually rewrote the show. A big plot discussion was whether to let audiences know early in the plot that Harold was a con man out to swindle the town or to withhold that information and let that reveal be a surprise to the audience, just like it is to the townsfolk. It was Ernie who ultimately said, no, the, the, the audience should know the con. Don't we got to know the territory. Exactly. Exactly. He said, he said, he said, it's better for the plot. If, if the, if the audience isn't on the, isn't, isn't on the secret versus yeah. trying to be all Hitchcockian about what's the truth. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Really so, it's a yeah. big secret to hold on to. Right. right after. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this editing process went back and forth and ultimately this duo butted heads and they split up. Upon the separation, Wilson continued the writing, and one of the first things he did was write the train song, Rock Island. What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? Where do you get it? What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? Where do you get it? You can talk, you can bicker. You can talk, you can bicker. You can talk, 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 bicker, bicker, bicker. You can talk all you want to, but it's different than it was. No, it ain't, but you gotta know the territory. Why, it's the you need a biscuit made the trouble. You need a, you need a, put the crackers in a package, in a package. The you need a biscuit in an airtight sanitary package made the cracker barrel obsolete, 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 obsolete. Cracker barrel went out the window with the mail pouch cut plug chawn by the stove. Changed the approach of a traveling salesman. Made it pretty hard. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. But you gotta know the territory. As he wanted a song that experimented with rhythmic, rhythmless, and speak song. So that was his goal, was to write this song. And he did it. And he was able to cleverly interweave in some exposition that had proven to be very clunky and hard to smoothly integrate into the show in earlier drafts. He was quite pleased with himself. Then there was a brief moment when it appeared Music Man wasn't going to Broadway at all, but was instead going to be turned into a two-hour TV musical presented by CBS. But those plans fell through when Ernie and Cy disagreed with the casting choices and with the casting agency. So they were like, nope, back to Broadway. So now Music Man entered its fifth year of development, and Wilson was becoming frustrated with Cy and Ernie. And he decided to continue refining the script, but doing another uh, by, by focusing on doing another scene similar to his opening train sequence. He decided that the scene he would try to rework with talk singing was the piano lesson scene, as he thought that's a good spot to go. So, do, la, re, ti, mi, a little slower, and please keep the fingers curved as nice and high as you possibly can. Don't get faster, dear. If you don't mind my saying so, it wouldn't have hurt you to have found out what the gentleman wanted. I know what the gentleman wanted. What, dear? 
You'll find it in Balzac. Excuse me for living, but I never read it. Neither has anyone else in this town. There you go again with that same old comment about the low mentality of River City people and taking it all too much to heart. It was then announced, unbeknownst to Wilson, in January of 56, that Sign Ernie were tabling the Music Man to focus on their other projects. Wilson then spent February of, uh, of 1956 reworking the draft again, this time focusing on the issue of the spastic boy character. His issue was that the boy was not only stealing the scenes he was in, but was becoming a character that could steal the show from Harold Hill. Uh, in one draft, Wilson got so frustrated that he wrote uh, that so that the boy never appeared on stage, but was an unseen character. Oh. And even then, the kid was still stealing focus. So Wilson was frustrated. Uh, and he ultimately decided to kind of put that storyline on a back burner and really develop the love story between Harold and Marion, as he saw that was continually growing stronger with each passing draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was then that Wilson took a break from writing Music Man to focus on, an, uh, on, on another project that he was contracted to do, the California story, which he was going to write and conduct at the Music Corps. During the break, uh, he met Franklin Lacey, who was working on this project. And after presenting Music Man to Lacey, Lacey signed on to help simplify and refine the book. Mm-hmm. This partnership proved fruitful and in September of 56. Wilson was, uh, Wilson was considering eliminating a long piece of dialogue about the serious trouble facing River City parents when he realized it sounded like a song lyric. And he transformed that monologue into the iconic patter song, What Yes, you've got lots and lots of trouble. I'm thinking of the kids in the knickerbocker, shirt tail, the young ones peeking in the pool hall window after school. You got trouble. Folks right here in River City. Trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Now, I know all you folks are the right kind of parents. I'm going to be perfectly frank. Would you like to know what kind of conversation goes on while they're loafing around that hall? They'll be trying out Bevo, trying out Cubebs, trying out Taylor Mays like cigarette teens, and bragging all about how they're going to cover up a tell breath with sense and one fine night they leave the pool hall heading for the dance at the armory libertine men and scarlet women and rag time shameless music that'll grab your son your daughter with the arms of a jungle animal instinct mass terrier you got it you that got trouble is. yep with a capital p that stands for pool that's cool you got it so yes. yeah exactly so in this new draft the song sadder but wiser Girl was added, uh, and it was sung in counterpoint to Marion's song "My White Knight." And these two songs were originally intended to be the closing numbers for Act One. Hmm. It was also this time that uh, Wilson approached Bob Fosse to choreograph and direct the piece, but Fosse felt that the musical had too much counterpoint going on at all, and it all sounded the same to him, and he didn't feel that his choreography would be able to mesh well with the with the show. No, this is not a Bob Fosse show. Yeah, so Fosse was out. So there we go. And then in November 1956, Wilson and Lacey were now on draft 32. It was after this draft was submitted that he turned his focus to finding producers for the show. He recently reconnected with Cy and Ernie, but he wasn't sold 
He, re- he had recently connected with Cy and Ernie, but they were trying to sell him on doing another project before they did the Music Man. It was then that Wilson decided to reach out to another musical producer, Kermit Bloomgarden. So once this meeting was set, Wilson met with Cy and Ernie to let them know that he was meeting with other producers. And they said, well, be sure to let us know what you think before you sign on. Ultimately, upon presenting to Bloomgarden, Bloomgarden was sold right away and wanted to produce the show. And so Wilson parted ways with Cy and Ernie officially. Thus ends the early, early pre-production section. So now partnered with Bloomgarden, they worked with him to refine the show further. And it was Bloomgarden who suggested removing the character of the spastic boy. <laughs> Everybody is out for the spastic boy on him. They are gunning for him. So Wilson took another stab at the book while they began to assemble the creative team. It was during the one main pitch party hosted by Bloom Garden that they signed on the director, Morton DaCosta. They met with John Schubert, who signed on to mount the Music Man at the Majestic Theater, now home to Theater of the Opera. And Howard Bay was signed on to do set and lighting design. One of DaCosta's first notes was to cut the spastic boy. <laughs> you getting a theme here, Autumn? Nobody's liking the spastic boy. We should maybe stop saying that word. It's very dated. It is a very dated. Very dated. It's amazing. It's amazing how language can give you like heart palpitations. Yeah. Every time you say it, I'm like, oh my, that's so it's so wrong. Right? And it's in a book. It's in many yeah. books, but it is. There are many, it is. There are many. But that was the time period. It was. It was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's but the solution was coming for this character. So. Right? So the solution was that Lacey, Franklin Lacey, suggested that they turn the random chorus boy character with a lisp who had a solo at the end of Act 1 during Wells Fargo Wagon into a central character and have him replace the spastic boy. And Wilson was like, Brilliant! Into one one person. Exactly. I just love the fact that they wrote a chorus character to have a lisp. I just thought that's funny. I don't know they do it. I, I but the, the their their intent of of highlighting someone mm-hmm. who had physical challenges, right, mm-hmm. was a really great one, and and it is provided a lot of good conversation at a time when yes. good conversation was not happening. Yep. So I'm sad that they just gave the Winthrop a list. I think they could have gone further. Yes, but Autumn, as you say, is this the story of Winthrop or the story of Harold Hill? Um, I think they're um in I think they're intermeshed because I think Winthrop is the turning point for Harold. Well, get get some of the in with with Mary the librarian. Yeah, but it's bigger than that. Mm. I think Winthrop is reminds him of something in his youth, mm. and it's a turning point for him. Okay, and mm. that's why I think they spent so many hours and twenty million drafts trying to figure out that character and his relationship to Harold Hill. In essence, by the end of this musical, Harold Hill becomes a father figure to Winthrop. He does. He does. So that's interesting. It is. It is. Okay. So once they solve that character problem, 
then uh, Wilson started to rewrite the song My White Knight because he felt it wasn't working just yet. And it was during this rewrite that while describing what her character wanted, Wilson was able to refine who the character of Marion was. Mm -hmm. The first cast contract to be signed was in June 1957. And it was for the Buffalo Bills Barbershop Quartet. And they were signed on to play the school board. And so special and so basically once they were signed on, they were like, oh great, okay, we got uh we, we we got some fun stuff here. So Wilson kind of gave a little extra time to working on some barbershop quartet moments. The rest of the cast came together rather easily. Particularly Barbara Cook was their choice to be Marion the Librarian. Excellent right off choice. The that they, they were like, that's who we want. The problem, though, was trying to find who was going to play Harold Hill. So people they considered casting were Lloyd Bridges, Art Carney, Lawrence Olivier, Alec Guinness, James Cagney, and Andy Griffiths. Wow. All of those very fascinating choices. Right? Completely different. Like, like Lloyd Bridges is totally not the same as Alec Guinness, who is not the same as Lawrence Olivier. Lawrence Olivier, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got trouble, my friends. Right <laughs> here in the city. Right here in the city. <laughs> yes. With a capital T. That stands for P. P. That right. stands for poop. Kind of like a Henry Higgins Harold Hill. It would have been. <laughs> that is very similar. So... It was then suggested to them that they should contact Robert Preston to audition for the part. Mm. And the moment Preston secured the role was during his audition when he performed the song, You Got Trouble. Mm. And unlike all the other actors who had sung the song, because Preston didn't have a great singing voice and had a limited vocal range, he he talked sung the song. And the minute he did that, the creation was like, ah, okay. That's it. This is this is what we want. So he was cast. And thus the casting was complete. And now it's time to head into rehearsals. Whew, here we go. So the script draft number at this point, according to Wilson, was somewhere in the upper 40s. Uh, in total, Wilson, over the course of his writing process, composed 40 songs, 23 of them being written between his initial pitch to, uh, to sign Ernie. So a lot of songs came and went in this piece. And the first day of rehearsal was on Wednesday, October 9th, 1957. And Bloom Garden actually requested that the, that the rehearsals begin with Wilson and his wife, Rainey, who had been his constant sounding boarding campaign throughout this whole ordeal and had been part of his pitch meetings all the time uh, to perform their entire audition presentation for the cast. Basically perform the show, the two of them, for the entire cast. So that's what they did. Uh, during rehearsals, Wilson continued to refine the score in the book. Uh, some songs were cut, including a three-page reprise of You Got Trouble, Mr. Hill, which was sung by Mayor Shin. There also was an additional verse of 76 trombones that was cut as well. Rehearsals ran smoothly with the cast picking up the material rather quickly. By day two of rehearsal, the cast had learned, polished, and were almost completely memorized on the songs 76 trombones. Iowa Stubborn, Wells Fargo Wagon, and Shapoopy. Yes. Yep. Well, you oh, talk about it. You talk about Fargo it. Wagon is a Such a good song. I love it. Right? And on the 10th day of rehearsal, 
You gotta love this, Autumn. DaCosta assembled the cast in the main rehearsal space and did an entire run-through of the show from top to bottom with the cast almost completely off book. Mm. Ten days. That cast showed up and was basically off book. Well, isn't that dreamy? Right? Speaking of somebody... When does that happen? (laughs) Oh, I can remember many rehearsals where we're in tech week and some people still going, line... (laughs) Learn your line. <laughs> Damn it. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. The rehearsals your job. then. Right? Your job. right? Exactly. I uh, want to work with this cast. They sound amazing. They were a great cast. Uh, the rehearsals then moved into the new Amsterdam theater uptown for rehearsals in a proper theater space before they went on the road. At the first invited audience viewing, 200 tickets were printed. But 900 people showed up because of word of mouth. Wow. And filled the entire theater. Yes. Uh, Wilson was surprised by the amount of celebrity attention the show was already receiving. In attendance at this performance were Rosalind Russell, Greer Garson, Vincent Sardi, Frank Lesser, and June Havoc, who you will know Autumn from the musical Gypsy as... Baby June. Baby June. That's yeah. right. So they all showed up for this like rehearsal viewing with literally the audience was ecstatic and they and then and the creative team got their hopes up that this would be a major success. Sai mm-hmm. even attended the uh presentation and praised Wilson, but also recommended trimming the show's length and using a limited orchestra, as he said the large orchestra would drown out the impressive lyrics. Mm-hmm. The show then moved to the Schubert Theater in Philadelphia for out-of-town tryouts. Wilson was initially unhappy with the space because of the bad acoustics, mm-hmm. and, and the bad acoustics muddled the lyrics. But mm-hmm. the reviews for the first preview were positive, even though the creative team felt Act 1 was too long. The following day, Wilson went into the theater early and worked with the sound system and discovered that several mics were completely shot, out and were and, and others were hung facing the wrong direction. So that was a problem. So he brought in a local sound expert to fix the issues. Oh. Mm-hmm. During the previews, the opening number was reworked from having a full orchestra accompaniment to removing it entirely and rewriting the opening so it starts with the train leaving one station and traveling to River City versus their initial concept, which was to have the scene uh, start mid-route to River City. Mm. So that was fixed. Uh, the Also, the other big section that got reworked was with the song My White Knight, which Wilson simplified as he realized the song needed to be a traditional I want ballad versus a more complex toxin song like Wilson had originally envisioned. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So there you go. So then then the show moves to Broadway. It opened on December 19th, 1957 at the Majestic Theater with the original cast including Robert Preston as Harold Hill, Barbara Cook as Miriam the Librarian, Eddie Hodges as Winthrop, Pert Kelton as Mrs. Peru, Iggy Wolfgangton as Marcellus Washburn, David Burns as Mayor Shin. The critics viewed the musical positively and the New York Times theater critic Brooks Atkinson wrote in his review, if Mark Twain could have collaborated with Virtual Lindsay, 
They might have devised a rhythmic lark like the Music Man, which is as American as Apple Pie and the 4th of July or oration. Wow. Music Man is a marvelous show rooted in a wholesome and comic tradition. Walter mm-hmm. Kerr of the Herald Tribune called Preston indefatigable. Mm. Mm. He, he's got zest and gusto and a great big grin from another slam bang marching tune. The musical went on to head, the musical went head to head at the Tony Awards with West Side Story. Mm. The show was nominated for eight awards. It won five, including Best Musical, Best Performance for a Lead Actor for Robert Preston, Best Supporting Actress in a Musical for Barbara Cook, Best Featured Actor for David Burns as Mayor Shin, and Best Musical Director for Herbert Green. Music Man played at the Theater for nearly three years before transferring to the Broadway Theater and completing its run with 1,375 performances and closed on April 15th, 1961. Woo! Yes. The musical had a two-week revival on Broadway in 1965 and then a three-week revival directed and choreographed by Michael Kidd which ran in June of 1980 at the City Center, and that cast included Dick Van Dyke as mm. Harold Hill, yeah. Meg Bursett as Marion, Christian Slater as Winthrop, yeah, okay. Carol Arthur as Mrs. Peru, and Iggy Wolfgangton, who played Marcellus in the 57 version as Mayor Shin. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. A Broadway revival was directed and choreographed by Susan Stroman, uh, and it opened on April the 27th, 2000, at the Neil Simon Theater, and it ran for 699 performances and 22 previews. That cast included Craig Burko, making his Broadway debut as Harold Hill, the wonderful late great Rebecca Luker as Marion the Librarian. And that is a perfect her- role for her. It was. Like, like seriously. And I think she won the Tony for it. At least was nominated for the Tony. It's a perfect vocally. It's yeah, no, she didn't win. She her. was nominated but didn't win. She Go was on. beat by Heather Headley for Aida in Aida. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So that makes sense. Sorry, Rebecca. You were yeah. good though. You were good though. And originally, uh, here, side tangent, but originally they didn't want to cast Rebecca Luker in the role of Marion. Because they felt she was too old for the part and they wanted an unknown in the role. But she demanded a chance to audition. And when she auditioned, they were like, oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll hire like the best soprano soprano on Broadway for this role. Seriously. Right? (laughs) Um, Okay. But then here we go. Now there's a third Broadway revival. And began previews on December 20th, 2021, and plans to open on February 10th, 2022 at the Winter Garden Theater. The production stars Autumn's favorite, Hugh Jackman, as Harold Hill, Sutton Foster as Marion, the librarian, with Jefferson Mays from A Gentleman's Got to Love and Murder as Mayor Shin, Jane Howdeshell as Mrs. Shin, and where have I seen her recently? as Bunny on the new Disney Plus show, Only Murders in the Building. And then Herschel Hensley plays Marcellus, and Herschel and Hugh Jackman have worked together a bunch. He was Judd Fry to 
Hugh Jackman's Curly mm. in Oklahoma. He also was in Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman as Frankenstein. Yeah, Herschel and Hugh have a great relationship with each other. Yeah. And then Marie Mullen is Mrs. Peru. And Benjamin... Pajon- wait, wait, wait. Marie Mullen? Yeah, is Mrs. Peru. Oh, look at that. Got a good old Irish girl doing from there. Exactly. She's playing Mrs. Peru. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Yep. And then Benjamin Pajak is playing Winthrop. So the film adaptation of Music Man was done in 1962. It starred Robert Preston as Harold Hill, Shirley Jones as Marion. The film received positive reviews and grossed fourteen million nine hundred and fifty-three thousand. $846 at the box office. And 21 cents. <laughs> exactly. And and it, and it ultimately earned $8.1 million in U.S. theatrical rentals. So this film was wildly successful. Mm-hmm. It was the third highest grossing film of 1962. So it was nominated for six Oscars, including Best Picture. It won one Oscar for Best Musical Score, but lost Best Picture 2. Lawrence of Arabia. Uh. So, following the success of the 2000 stage revival, a 2003 television film was done starring Matthew Broderick as Harold Hill and Kristen Chenoweth as Marion, Victor Garber as Mir Shin, Deborah Monk as Mrs. Peru, and Molly Shannon as uh, Yuleli McKechnie Shin, the mayor's wife. Uh. Yeah. And fun and fact where? In Burlington, Millbrook, Milton, Uxbridge, and Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You've From got April it. to July 2002. I have been on that River City Street in Millbrook, Ontario. I bet you have. Sure have. And it stars many familiar Canadian actors, if you know the Canadian theater scene. Sure does. It's great. Sure does. Uh, and lastly, the popularity of the music man has meant that it has been mentioned, quoted, and parodied in televisions, episodes, films, and popular music. The Music Man was parodied in several TV shows, including The Simpsons, called Marge vs. the Monorail, written by Conan O'Brien. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. What's it called? Once again. It's all cracked and broken. Sorry, Mom. The mother's spoken. Uh, in several episodes of Family Guy, because I think um, Seth and Carm really wants to play Harold Hill, the musical was parodied, such as in the episode Brian Wallows and Peter Swallows. Lois chastises Brian's high standards for dating in a spoof version of the piano lesson. And in another episode called The Patriots Game, Peter, after becoming a Patriot football player, showboats after scoring a winning touchdown, leading the full stadium in the rendition of Shapoopy. Shapoopy, 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 the girls are to get. Shapoopy, 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 but you can win her yet. Walk around once just to raise the curtain. Walk around twice and you make for certain. Once more in a flower garden, she will never get sore if you beg her pardon. Complete with I, m- matching the choreography from the film as well. So, 
it's 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 a it's one of my favorite Family Guy moments. In fact, yeah. fun side tangent. When I was at football camp, because my parents sent me to football camp one summer, and there was a touchdown dance competition, and I performed the entire number of Shapoopy and won that competition. That was the thing you won. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course. I won. I believe I won. Uh, I'm going to say that Schmigadoon also has many nods to the Music Man. Lots of nods to the Music Man. But uh, more recently... The show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend parodied the song You Got Trouble with the song called Cold Water Leads to Crack. Imagine your kids taking a shower before they go to school. They douse their skin with ice cold water, a huge shock to their little systems. At first it's downright unpleasant, but then it gets them wired in a way they've never felt. And they think to themselves, that shower felt great. Maybe I'll try cocaine. So your son's on coke, your daughter's pregnant, and your husband's probably having an affair. Apocalypse, just like the movie. I am legend, but not like that at all. No hot water, which means cold showers. Next thing you know, your kids will be on crack. No hot water, which means cold showers, which everyone knows is the gateway drug to crack, 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 crack. It's a great song. Uh, and that is the end of Max production history. Whew. Wow. Wow. That's, there were a lot of shocking things in that. Right? Wow. I highly recommend reading the book by Meredith Wilson. It is quite <laughs> insightful. <laughs> I don't know if anyone needs to read the book after that. <laughs> I should be paging the audiobook version of Many, of that. many nuggets. All right, let's get into top three songs, Autumn Smith. Shoot, yeah. What's your number one? I don't know. This is my trouble. <laughs> In River City. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say trouble. Right here in River City. Right here in River City. With a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. That stands for pool. We've surely got trouble. We've surely got trouble. Right here in River City. Right there. Remember the main Plymouth Rock and the Golden Rule. That's true, that's true. Oh, we got trouble. We're in terrible, terrible trouble. That game with the 15 numbered balls is a devil's stool. Oh, yes, we got trouble, trouble, trouble. Oh, yes, we got trouble. With a T. Got to rhyme it with P. And that stands for pool. Trouble. Got lots and lots of, I use it all the time in my life. It's catchy. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a sales pitch. It's a great I love, song. I love the Shizer in Harold mm-hmm. Hill in this moment. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What am I gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna take down pool mm-hmm. boys in the knickerbockers. Knickerbockers. The, yeah. the word knickerbockers needs yeah. to come back. It does. It does. It didn't make my list. I will say oh, so good. But it was it it, it would have been a fourth on this list. Absolutely, because right? I was like. I was like, I mean, there's only a, a a small handful of songs that I that I can say made my other list. I don't even I don't even think I have one. Oh, Autumn, just wait to hear my three. Love this musical. So oh, I so do I. The songs are great, but yeah, you got trouble. It's it's great because once again, just like the mob song of Beauty and the Beast, it shows how one man can come in, pinpoint an insecurity in a group, and go. I got you. I can I can turn this around. Yes. I got your magic solution. 
Mm-hmm. It's the old Red Hills of Home in the comedy version, right? It is. It the really thing that is. Serves us to take action. Yeah. And everyone follows this guy. It's He's true. Obviously, a con man, and he mm-hmm. goes into this uptight, uncurious community, and mm-hmm. he goes, "You know what you need? Music." <laughs> right. Everyone's like, "Oh." What is this music? What is mm-hmm. that? Rabelais, balls, like it's the arts, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's just pushing the arts, and I love it because yep. it is. Look, living in a small community, the mm-hmm. arts is the last thing anyone thinks of, and that's why Harold Hill is so smart when they're talking uh, in the opening about about what he, about what he does. They're like, well, how does he do it? It's like, well, because he chose a topic that a lot of these communities, they don't know uh, the piccolo and the flute. And it's a, it's a total new thing to them. So unlike yeah. an anvil salesman who everybody knows what a freaking anvil is, like how this, boring is an anvil? Like this music guy comes into town and it's great because he goes, I got something that you guys know nothing about. So I can tell you about the think method and the only person who may know is the music teacher but i can head off one person and take them out of it's my like way the traveling it's like the traveling medicine people right yes i've got the solution that will bring you snake oil salesman yeah snake oil yes mm-hmm. right right and, and I mean, everyone's what's... like "Ooh, ah i've never heard mm-hmm. of that yeah mm-hmm. and i mean wilson is great in this because he builds it to such a frenzy but then he doesn't resolve it right away because you cut from that song to Harold following Marion home mm-hmm. and trying to flirt with her and her <laughs> turning him down. And so like he's building these blocks because then you finally get the resolution in 76 trombones. But it's the thing of he's going to let this town fester in their uncertainty because he knows they'll all go home. They'll talk about it at, at dinner. Like, well, I, he, he says he says in the sadder, wiser girl. Yeah. That the one thing he cannot stand is the woman that sits at home and spreads her web of whispers. Yes. And in in not so many words. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, he gets it. He gets small town. And it's amazing. It is amazing how fast things travel. And people have come back to me and said things. I'm like, how'd you know? you knew before I knew. I didn't know this information. Thank you for sharing it with me. Right. I can't wait to hear more from the actual source. Uh, right. And it was about me. So <laughs> it's like, wow, great. Yeah. Right. Bring I mean, it on. And Let's I mean, this song is such a great momentum to it. Like it just starts with, hmm. well, you got trouble, my friends. Got trouble, right? You remember CSA? You got trouble. With a capital T it's that rhymes with P. It just, it's, it's got the. It's the harpy, right? right? Oh. Like it's everyone loves percussive. Like it's just pique the interest, right? Oh. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like I, 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 I mean, just like Gaston with the mob, he starts off by picking off people one by one. Like he goes a pool table. Don't you understand? Either friend, you are closing your eyes to to a situation you do you do not wish to acknowledge. So he's playing into their pride now. Going, are you stupid? Are you dumb for not picking up on this? How or, are you in your headstrong Iowa? Right, exactly. Or mm-hmm. you are not aware of the caliber of disaster. So knowing exactly what words to say to them 
indicated by the presence of a pool table in your community. Well, you got trouble, my friends. Right here, I say you trouble. You got uh, right here in River City. Well, I'm sure I, I, I'm a billiard player. And then he, then he, look, it's his sales okay. tactic. Yeah. Right. Like, 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 it's like, yes, I'm a billiard player, but I know the demons of this. So I can definitely speak. Gotta fix I can the speak problem. from experience. What it right? is like? It's a nice classic sales trap. Right. Use this vacuum because my wife uses this vacuum, and she is a mm-hmm. major supporter of it. So you got to buy this vacuum. Oh, so it, that right there, and then the fact that he's picking off little things like every time I've seen this monologue done. About where is it here? So, so his mother's a river city. Heed the warning before it's too late. Watch for the telltale signs of corruption. The minute your son leaves the house, does he rebuckle his knickerbocker below the knee? And every time I see it, it's because he's seen a kid with his knickerbocker buckle below the knee that he's like searching in the audience, going, "That's a problem." Or, or oh, the yeah, fact that he finds it. a kid he reading. The kids. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or the fact that he finds a kid reading jokes from Captain Willie's Whiz Bang. And he's like, there's Which a problem. every kid did. Yes. Right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or the fact that he's like, are certain words creeping into the conversation? Words like, swell. And so is your old man. Well, if so, my friends. Boom, boom. You got trouble. Like, it's just, like, Wilson. Well, you got trouble. <laughs> like, Wilson is great because he builds this hysteria. And it's not right away. It's just a slow festering dread and fear but that every they're so they're so small town that they don't realize that the rest of the world's kids are saying swell and so zero man. autumn i mean that happens in, in muskoka it can happen in texas it can happen anyway. in iowa it can happen anywhere any like any place that's insulated or is not as metropolitan and as open as other places yeah friends get to people slower Oh, yeah. Especially, especially in 1912 or whatever, or whatever, 1910, mm-hmm. when like literally the train is the only way to get you from place to place, and who's had who has time to go on a train, right? So it's great. Okay. But my number one uh-huh. comes before you got trouble, and it is Rock Island. Ever meet a fellow by the name of Hill? 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 No. Just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. Never heard of any salesman, Hill. No, he doesn't know the territory. Doesn't know the territory. What's the fellow's line? Never worries about his line. Never worries about his line? Or the Cracker Barrel being obsolete, or the you need a biscuit in an airtight sanitary package, or the Model T Ford. Just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. Never worries about his line. Never worries about his line. Or a doggone thing. He's just a bang beat, bell ringing, big hog, great go, neck or nothing, rip roaring every time a bullseye salesman. That's Professor Harold Hill. Harold Hill? Tell us what's his line, what's his line? He's a fake, and he doesn't know the territory. Uh, what are you talking about? Slash Iowa stubborn. These numbers are always combined. Yeah, how can, how, how can you not include those in this list? But it, it, it's by far top five openings. The fact that the song works on so many levels from setting up the world of 1912 Midwest Iowa to then mm-hmm. setting up 
uh, the world of River City before you even come to River City. And the mu- and, it, and it's a musical that not only covers all the all the exposition you need to know about Harold Tilt, but it gets the audience excited about who is this guy. So well, it's also to- the sales pitch, right? These mm-hmm. these guys commiserating on a train, yeah. going the same town, the same it's the same yeah. swindle. And door-to-door salesmen, mm-hmm. at the, like, if you look at, you know, a, like, death of a salesman and what that was like to lose that livelihood, this mm-hmm. was a huge deal. Like, yes, going from place to place and selling your wares and how good were you was based mm-hmm. on, you know, how much you could make and bring home. And yep. it's all commission-based. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. Like, you had to be a swindler. Any kind of salesperson is a bit of a swindler, right? Of course. Well, I mean, look you're, at Charlie Powell, the main rival salesman. What's he selling? Anvils. I mean, how the hell do you sell an anvil without kind of, you know, talking it up and swindling a bit here to like make it work? I mean, honestly. Look at commercials. Like, yes. if we're going to look at a, a modern, you know, mm-hmm. equivalent, like, look mm-hmm. at the commercials. Like, Here's cars playing tag with each other, Subaru, and ah, isn't it fun? And yes, like what's the shiny sales pitch? Mm-hmm. It's all the same. They just had yep. a much harder job, right? Yep. And I mean, and it's also great because in this number, you tend to overlook Charlie Cowell's real concern. He goes, "Listen, guys, any one of us shows up in a town after Harold Hill's being there, we get in tar and feathered. It happened to me." When I showed up after he came and went, like this guy's a threat to not only the townspeople he swindles, but to us and our livelihoods because he ruins the, the territory for us as well. But because the song is building up the excitement and the interest of who is this Harold Hill guy, you totally he's also just a little bit jealous that Harold. Well, of course, he's a little bit jealous because he's like, I'm. I also get why he's pissed off. I mean, honestly. It's being tarred and feathered because you come in after the the last guy who got away. I'm gonna be pissed off too and be like, "Where the fuck is this guy? I want to get him!" Like he's, <laughs> and I mean, Charlie Cowell. I mean, he's a fat. Like he's the more I've gotten older, the more I find him fascinating because, yes, he is a bit of, like abrasive with Marion, who, by the way, makes up with him to prevent him from reaching the mayor on time. But I mean, it's the whole thing of what's his main line of that? You got, but he doesn't know the territory. This is a guy who is about like, I follow the rules. I'm an anvil salesman. I know the territory. And here comes Joe Blow, Harold Hill, screw it all up for me. Does anyone I, who follow the rules ever get ahead? King Arthur didn't. <laughs> right? I so I mean, know. that's what's great about the song is it, as I got older, I've come to appreciate it more and more. I mean, and also it's just great because this song paved the way for Hamilton. We would not have Hamilton if yeah. we did not have Rock Island in Music Man. Like, yeah, it it set it set. I I guess Music Man just set a precedent for you know rhythmic. Yeah, toxic like yeah. pieces. Whether or not Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, gleaned anything from that, or if oh, I am sure he did. Spoke hard or, not. And, and rap, I don't know, yeah. but it has that. It's ri- like it's that yeah. cash for the merchandise, yeah. cash for the button, <laughs> cash. And the fact, like lyrically, the fact that Mary Wilson found 
words that sounded like the. Look, what do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? It also sounds like stocks being sold. Yes. Like it sounds like a ring, 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 ring. Go, go. Yes. One, two, three. Right. And it's a hard number to do. Having done it in rehearsal rooms, because when an actor was away, I was the one that had to read all the lines for the, for the actors. So when they were like, great. So two sales, like two of the actors are out today because they're auditioning elsewhere in Toronto. So Mac, mm-hmm. you get to be Rock Island for two different parts. It's nerve wracking because like, oh. you don't want to be the guy that screws up the rhythm. So yeah. like, they're like, no, thanks though for that offer. I mean, it's a great song though. It's great. But then you get into I Was Stubborn. So that song immediately segues into the bum, 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 bum. Oh, there's nothing halfway about the way to treat you and we treat you, which we may not do at all. Like, And it's a great classical Broadway opening number where it's like you could usually take out Rock Island. And I can see how you would add Rock Island if you want to set up Harold Hill's Con ahead of time. But if you're wanting to not have that and just have Harold Hill walk on stage and this is your first song, it's still a great first song because it sets up who this community is yeah. so fast. It's like kind of like the opening of Witches of Eastwick. Yes. Do-do-do-do. Hear yeah. the bells in the steeple, right? Like it's that yeah. same type. And the fact that like right away, you know <laughs> who these people are. Like the fact that like, uh, like the fact they have, and we'll give you our shirt and a back to go with it if your crop should happen to die. Pause. Yeah. But what the heck? You're welcome. Glad to have you with us, even though we may not ever mention it again. You really yeah. ought to give Iowa a try, provided you are contrary. And then the line is, you could be cold as a falling thermometer in December if you ask us about our weather in July. And we're so by God stubborn, you could stand touching noses for a week at a time and never see an eye. This is like Old Red Hills of Home, where the writer of the song knew because he grew up there, like Alfred Urey grew up in Georgia. Uh, Meredith Wilson, Wilson grew up in Iowa. So because yep. he knows their lingo, their their temperament, he Ooh. so quickly is able to go, this Boom. is who they are. Yeah. And like, I, like it totally works. And I just love those two opening numbers together. Like they just work so well with one another because it's like, oh, they'll yeah. never make it in, in River City, Iowa. Meredith was like, all right, let me give it a try. Then he shows up in River City, Iowa, and no, his Iowa. first thing is, his thing is like, oh, maybe this will be a bit of a challenge because this town is very secure in their Iowa stubbornness. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Autumn, what's your number two? I don't know. I'm so conflicted. I have so many. Make a choice, Autumn. Um, I'm going to say till there was you. That's my number three. Yay! 
Yeah. I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. love song. Like it is yeah. simple. Mm-hmm. There were there were there were bells on the, the hill. Sky, but I, but never, I never heard ringing. them ringing. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's yeah. it's just a gorgeous, mm-hmm. gorgeous love ballad. Yes. And uh, I mean, Autumn, you know how often I don't like love ballads. I know. I'm This one like, works. I know. This yeah. one worked for me because I got it. I got Marion in this song because like Marion in my friend group, I'm oftentimes the third wheel, the unmarried, the single person who... I mean, I have heard about the bells on the hill and the birds singing and all the things you find when you fall in love. Have I experienced it to that level yet? No. And so I'm sure when I do find that person, whoever they may be, I may go, I get this, I get this song even more now. Because what, what's great about Marion is she is so wonderful in describing her love for Harold. And Wilson yeah. created these gorgeous things. And the fact that he wrote it with his wife. So I mean, like, Right, right there tells you when they're writing it together. Yes. That that's why the song is strong because it was written by two people who were in love with each other when this song was written. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and, and I mean, at this point in the show, you're worried about Harold leaving, and this song just ratchets up the tension because you're like, "Well, now you can't leave." I mean, this song is so enveloping of, of you buying into their relationship that it's like. Damn, Harold, you you gotta stay now. You can't leave her there. Even though Marion does say, "Go, you don't have to stay for me. Leave." Uh-huh. I understand it, who you are. It's that. It's that. Mm-hmm. It's that thing of mm-hmm. having loved someone with your mm-hmm. full heart and knowing yeah. that that is enough. Mm-hmm. And I think she comes to that. So even if he leaves, I think she will still be okay. Oh, absolutely. You absolutely, absolutely. And Meredith was smart in this because he drew the orchestra back. He let Barbara Cook and Marion take the lead of the song. And then ultimately, in the big middle crescendo before they end the song in their duet, it's just her, basically. Ultimately, it just explodes into this orchestra. And then it swells into There was love all around But we never heard it singing There was love all around But I never heard it singing No, I never at all till there was you and i mean autumn yeah. i've told you off mic before but whoever i end up marrying whoever she is i mean i've already said this we my wedding vows some some way so whoever my partner is she better be ready to be belted i at hope it. she's ready for that awesomeness i'm telling you now there won't be a dry i can't house. wait to sit there and listen you better um, believe you're going to be there i will not steal it from my wedding <laughs> 
Okay, good. I was going to say, you still for your wedding, Autumn? I'm coming for you. I'll stop this arrow and be like, Autumn. <laughs> I protest this union. Find another song for yourself to sing. <laughs> There's lots yeah. of love duets. So that was my number three. Okay. Your number two. So yeah. my number two is, what else could it be, Autumn? But the one that's on my long cutting playlist, Shapoopy. Hey. You better believe it. It is on my long cutting playlist. It is absolutely my favorite song of this entire uh, show. I sung it at football camp. You cannot say that because you picked a number one already. That wasn't Shapoopy. Well, I knew well, I knew Shapoopy could be my number one on this list because Rock Island, I was ever do a bit more for the show. Oh, I and, see. I and they're see. a little bit more important in the show. Shapoopy, it's a fun opening to act two. It That's energizes great. the audience. It, it shows the progression of the town who are all getting together uh, in this moment during the during their preparations yeah. for the 4th of July celebrations. It's catchy. I mean, Marcellus is performing it to the hilt. Are the lyrics a little bit problematic? Sure. A little bit. A <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting bit. that it pa- parallels the story of Marion and Harold a bit, where it's all about the girl who's your shapoopy is the one who doesn't kiss on the first date. It's the one who waits till the third date to do anything. It's like, right? Like, it's that type of thing. And that's Harold and Marion, right? I mean, they haven't, I mean, it's their third date is the footbridge. This well, is their second date and they dance together. The very first date is usually a hussy. But the woman who kissed on the second time out is anything but fussy. A woman who waits till the third time around, head in the clouds, feet on the ground. She's the girl you're glad you found. She's your shapoopy. What about the guy? Is he a hussy if he kisses on the first date? Well, um, this show has a whole lot of problems with gender roles here. We'll get into wow. a second. Is that there may- ever? <laughs> but, but this is such a great song. Like, like, and it, it just is a fun, fun number. And I just, Marcellus has always been a role I've wanted to play. I've always wanted to be a Marcellus Washburn. Well, there's always time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. If um, if Herschel had, or what's his name, Herschel, what's his name, can play it on Broadway now, and he's almost Hugh Jackman's age, then yeah, I can most certainly play right. Marcellus at an older age. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Autumn, cast me in. Cast me as Marcellus. Okay. Done. Fill my dreams. Check. Shapoopy. Shapoopy. Autumn, what's your number three? What's my number three? My number three. I'm trying to think. You know what? I'm going to say it's pick a little talk a little. Professor, her kind of woman doesn't belong in any committee. Of course, I shouldn't tell you this, but she advocates dirty books. Dirty books? Chaucer. Rabelais. Bullseye. That's such a good one. Uh, I love that <laughs> And it is, it really is that kind of bird, like, pick a little, pick a little, pick a little. You can see them all like, yep. 
and Absolutely. they're just spreading gossip. And, yes. and it just, you know, and the woman who reads is obviously dangerous. Yes. Obviously. Oh, Ravelies. Balzac. It's so good. But once again, they are all dying to read it. Oh, of course. Dirty books. Absolutely. It probably, I'm going to say The Witches of Eastwick is really, really based on the music now. I can believe that. I'm going to say it's almost a carbon copy. It really is. Because the devil comes into town with an agenda. Right? And, he, and he and he swings everybody over. Yeah, he opens he up their opportunity to read the books at the library. That's right. He does. But like, I love this song because, once again, Meredith Wilson, knowing these types of women, because he grew up with them, he knew exactly how to personify them. Like, the it, minute you hear, pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk, talk a little, chip, 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 talk a little more. It's like, the minute you hear that little chirp, chirp, chirping, it's like, I know exactly who these women are. Get nothing. Of they, course not. All they do is like, we are, we are the mayor's wife. We are the heads of, you know, it's so yes. funny. Right. And it's just this, this constant yattering. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I love one Grecian. It's my favorite. The one Grecian. <laughs> we will get into that uh, scene because that moment made my cut and skip list. What? But no. not okay. Hold on, hold on. So the song that's sung during this moment is "It's You" by the Quartet. It's you in the sunrise. It's you in my cup. It's you all the way into town. It's your sweet hello dear that sets me up and it's your got to go dear that gets me down it's you all of my dreams all of my dreams yeah right like and the number's fine i mean but the Barbershop has a lot of songs. And for me, I'm like, ah, do we really? I mean, this one, this, this song works because you have Eulalie McKechnie Shin doing her Grecian urn rehearsal. That's what makes that song work when you're just listening to it. It's like, really, this is a no, song you choose it's to open in the act context to. context of the show. But that's my point. The song only works in the context. You could cut that song and just have Eulalie McKechnie Shin open act to it the Trickle, 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 waterfall music piano playing by Marion. And now I've been doing the one Grecian, two Grecian. Like the song isn't necessary. It's one of those ones that's like, oh, we have the Buffalo Bills. They're a major barbershop quartet. Let's give them another song to sing. Yeah, let's give it to them. I mean, like, I mean, mean, compared to, I I mean, I like Sincere. I like Lida Rose. Light a rose, I'm home again, rose, to get the sun back in the sky. Like, that's a good one. That's, that's a fun harmonizing. one. It's a song in counterpoint of um, uh, Marion's song, um, Will I Tell You, mm-hmm. which is another good one. But yeah, it's you. I'm like, it only works because you're the technicians there doing Grecian urns. 
That's the only reason why that song works. So other than that, just cut the song and just get to Shibuki. Because that is your proper actual opening song. All right. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. But anyway, so- pick a little, talk a little. Yeah. Gossip, 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 gossip. And it's good so night, good. ladies. Good sung that so many times when i'm leaving a group i know women i'm like good night and they're all looking at me like what the hell is the song you're singing i'm like it's from music man it's a classic it's great it's great good but night. just the, the 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 you know they're all legato and the women are yeah. a little tough, a little picking <laughs> all right because the whole thing is that um exactly because harold's set them up to kick into that right like it's yeah. their Right. It's the whole thing of he found out this information about Marion and uh, Madison Library guy and the rumors there, and then all of a sudden he shows up with the with the um, with the uh, barber shop because they come in to try and get his papers and he gets them to sing and they're all like oh, they're singing it's now it's like he, he just lights them right up like it's great like the fact that he knows what's going to get the barber shop and the pickle ladies to get going so he can get away. Once again, he's a smart salesman. He knows his oh, yeah, yeah. market. He knows he knows these women. He knows how to pit them against someone or how to potentially, in Marion's case, bring them over to her side. So they once again, he's getting Marion out of his way, trying to schmooze yeah. her. Ultimately, he's winning her over. Um, but yeah, sure. it's a great song. Pick a little. Okay. little. Good Night Ladies, classic. Mm-hmm. So it's You Was My Number One Cut Song. Autumn, what's your number one cut song? don't think i have one you don't have any songs you want to cut no all right my number two i, then. I love it i love i love i love the trajectory of this musical and i think every song has a place interesting yeah okay my number two is good night my someone that i knew you were gonna say that yeah it makes my list song too yeah but see i go out of all Marion's solos and she has quite a few this one is my least favorite like it's a boring soprano song compared to like the more complex solos she gets of my white knight will i tell you till there was you those ones all have some yeah but she sings the solo part of the beginning the duet you can't count that fine fine she's fine so she has one major duet my white knight and will i tell you it shows uh, that say. she's searching it's not we're not, we're not she... in good night my someone good night my someone is good night my someone good night my love sleep tight my someone sleep tight my love 
Our star is shining. It's brightest light. So good night, my someone. Good night. There's no searching there. She just love will be yours, dear, from heart to heart. When lovers are parted, they say. So I must depend on a wish and a star. So Disney. But it's also like a music lesson. Where her mind is wandering, right? Yeah, I guess so. Because what's her name? Emerald is doing her arpeggios. Yeah. Uh, Oh, for me out of all my Marion songs. I love the piano lesson song. That that one almost made my uh, top list. Yeah, I love it too. Because it's great. But yeah, Good Night My Son, I'm like, meh. Out of all Marion songs, it's the one I skip the most. Okay, whatever. I like it. Okay. My first, it was my first audition song. I know, I know. All right, Autumn. So my number three, though, let's see if you can like find a reason to support this one. The Sadder But Wiser Girl. No, sir, for no Diana do I play fawn. I can tell you that right now. I snarl, I hiss. How can ignorance be compared to bliss? I spark, I fizz. For the lady who knows what time it is, I cheer. I rave for the virtue I'm too late to save. The sadder but wiser girl for me. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's so dated. It's such a bad message. It's, it's so. It's he's saying I don't want the the typical pick a little talk a little woman, the woman that weaves weaves the web of whispers and secrets and gossip. I want someone who can meet me at my intelligent level and bring some zest to the relationship. He wants a Hester with one more A. Yeah. I love it. I think it's smart. I think it's sassy. And he's saying, I don't want the typical woman. I want someone who's going to challenge me. And I think, yes, good on you, Harold Hill. Go get that woman that reads Balzac. Do it. He wants someone educated. Yeah, but he's not even saying that. He's just saying he wants a woman who is not virginal. I mean, that's all you get in this conversation. No, like he says, I I, I, he says, no doe-eyed, eager, wholesome, innocent Sunday school teacher for me. That kind of girl spins webs, no spider ever. Listen, boy, a girl who trades in all that purity really wants to trade my independence for her security. The only affirmation she will file refers to marching down the aisle. No golden glories, gleaming, pristine goddess. No, sir. No, Diana. Do I do, do I fawn? I can tell you that right now. I snarl, I hiss. How could ignorance be compared to bliss? I huh? spark, I fizz for the lady who knows what time it is. I cheer, I rave for the virtue. I'm too late to say the sadder but wiser girl for me. No bright-eyed, bushy, uh, uh, blushing, breathless baby doll. Like he's not saying he wants somebody educated. He's saying he wants a girl who's already like little loose with their virtue. Someone who's going to put out. I, but but think saying. about it. At that time, when women were well-read, they were considered loose with their virtues. He wanted someone. In, imagine, if you will, he is a mm-hmm. Benedict in Much Ado About Nothing. Right. He's way more attracted to Beatrice because Beatrice can spar with him. He wants someone that will meet him on his level. He doesn't want this boring, boxed, predictable woman. Who does? Blah, right? 
I agree with him. You want someone that's going to be interesting and have conversations, not agree with everything you say, right? You want someone that is going to, you know, be sassy. And, yeah, but and- like then the next verse is, I prefer to take a ta- I prefer to take a chance on a more adult romance. No dewy young miss who keeps resisting all the time she keeps insisting. No wide-eyed, wholesome, innocent female. No, sir. She's the fisherman. I'm the fish you see. Clop. I flinch. I shy from the last with the delicate air goes by. I smile. I grin. While um, when a gal with a touch of sin walks in, I hope I pray for Hester to win just one more A. The sadder but wiser. He's not talking about intelligence. He's talking about sex. He's wanting to roll into town and find some hot young lady who has already lost her virtue, probably widowed, who's willing just to sleep with him. That's that's what he's he's, going for. He's not talking about intelligence in this song. He's talking about someone who is sinful. But Sin at that time was an intelligent woman. (laughs) Yeah, but what's Hester's story? Hester gets branded with the A for adultery. He's wanting someone who's committed adultery, who is already unhappy in her marriage and looking for something better you're not giving the woman enough credit the only the only part that i don't like the song doesn't give the woman any credit either resistance (laughs) the the resistance line that that line is a bit problematic but i actually like that he's searching for someone that is not your typical marriage doe-eyed yada 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 (laughs) Oh, look at me. I don't know. This is this one song where I'm here. like, the way he describes this song is not great and it's very dated and problematic. I just go, isn't necessary for the plot? Not but really. You have to look at this song in context of the time when it was written, mm. right? At the time when it was written, a woman who was sinful, mm-hmm. not married, but had sexual relations. Mm-hmm. AKA sinful to the small town folk or yes. the majority of the religious society, in fact, yeah. was infinitely more interesting because she mm-hmm. read, she traveled, she yeah. could have conversations. She wasn't bound by societal norms. Mm-hmm. So he is not looking, maybe yeah, he's looking for a quick, quickie, quickie, but I think he's also looking for someone that's going to stimulate all of his senses. Uh, stimulate him. I mean, like, once again, the song describes Marion, right? Marion is the sadder but wiser girl. So, I mean, that's the one reason I go, okay, this song is necessary because it's setting up that Harold is looking for Marion. He's looking for a Marion who is, well, as we find out, according to her, she didn't sleep with Madison What's-His-Face at the library, that that they, uh, that they were just friends yeah. and, and, and that, that he left all the books in the library to her. But it's no one's business. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't want to be that doe-eyed, predictable, stay-at-home woman who takes care of the cooking and the the starching of the laundry, who cares? Good on Harold for opening his possibilities to <laughs> such a such a hussy. <laughs> I say, go for it. If she wants to sleep with five people in town, get all the A's. All right. We shouldn't judge her. <laughs> I like this song. I say, Hester it up, Harold. Uh, I go, I can see the merits for it, but I also go, skip. Okay. Mm. Either way, there you go. All right, okay. Autumn. 
does this musical still have a place today? Should it be revived? Should we go to Broadway and see Hugh Jackman see, do the show on him with Sutton Foster? Look at I'm not the biggest Hugh Jackman fan, but this is his role. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to say the smiling would, guy yeah, that comes into town and could win the town over. That's I Hugh would Jackman. love to see him play this role. Mm-hmm. I think this is his role. He was mm-hmm. a great curly, right? Yes, he was in Oklahoma. So again, that kind of like charming, charismatic. Yes. Outside. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So who he wasn't was Jean Valjean. That was mm-hmm. not his role. No, but I loved him in Greatest Showman. I just couldn't hear him. Um, but he's got that showmanship, he, right? Yeah, he's playing Harold Hill in Greatest he Showman. Is That's a performer. He's yeah. a performer. He's a beautiful dancer. He's a great the, Oscar and Tony host. Yeah, like the the clips I've seen of him and and uh, Sutton Foster, great. Yeah. I say I would love to see this. I think he'd be, I think he'd be dynamic and amazing yeah. and. Uh, Marie Mullen, I just want to see you play Miss Crew now, because that's great. Well, Autumn, let's see you get a second mortgage and go go see it in New York. I think it does have a place. I think it. Mm-hmm. I think it takes us back. I think it's a great piece of Americana. It is, and it reminds us that of where we've come from mm-hmm. and how far we've gone. And yeah, you how know, far we haven't it. gone. <laughs> Listen, there are gonna be people. Who will want to cancel this show? Um, but we can't cancel everything. We cannot. Because uh, it's, we cannot. If we keep not doing the past, we can never take things to the future. Mm-hmm. We need to keep revisiting. We need to keep celebrating um, our mistakes, our failures, mm-hmm. and take new things from these works. I mean. You know, uh, we need to start seeing these people as uh, uh, n- not artifacts, but our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And hopefully when we see them, uh, you know, in th- that light, we'll find some empathy for them yep. and we'll start to go, OK, well, what system mm-hmm. made our people uh, do what they did? Yeah. So I think, I don't think we should be not producing these shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think there is a place for it. I think it's a beautiful musical. And I think there's, uh, it talks a lot about community. It talks a lot about the power of music mm-hmm. and small town sensibilities and how music has the power to shift, mm-hmm. shift dynamics. And yeah. that is what this musical is about. It's about the power of music shifting a community and the power of art within a community. Mm-hmm. And that is what we take away and how it can shift even a con man into believing that anything is possible. That boy's band is real. It is. It mm-hmm. is real because they believe. And he's right. You mm-hmm. think it, if you build it, they will I mean, <laughs> I mean, for me, I very much enjoy this musical. I mean, I would love to see a, 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 a show that delves into the bit of the darker side of what Harold Dill is about. But I also, oh go, but I also go, it's a beautiful piece of, as you said, Americana. I would love to see this done in rep with Parade. 
to show the dark side, to yeah, show the light sure. side and the dark side of community and what it, what it can do to outsiders. Well, I mean, and, this is and, a great community theater piece. I'm, it gets done around the world. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. It's a good, wholesome bit of theater. Should it have won Best Musical over West Side Story? Eh, debatable. I go more on the side of West Side Story. But yeah, but I mean, I can see but why you have it won to Best look Musical. at when it won yep. and who the Tony jury was. They were 1957 people who were like, why are we voting for a piece that has people dying, attempted rape? Like, well, and I'm sorry, but we're dealing with racism yeah. on our, our Tony jury. So, yeah. of course, but now we look at it. Now we can appreciate it. We go, oh, Music Man is a piece of Americana. It's yeah. it's kind it's of nice. a museum piece. It's, a, it's got yeah. a very specific time. But it mm-hmm. is incredibly relevant because yes. small towns have not changed. God, no, they haven't. The little communities. Yeah. The theater community does a lot of pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little. Absolutely. Pick a little more. So, I mean... You cannot judge that song when you're doing it yourself. Absolutely. Period. Period. So let's let's put that in there and yeah. let the chips fall where they may. But yeah. you know, we we all love to talk. We all love to talk, 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 bigger, 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 bigger. Yep. Right? You can talk, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger. You can talk, talk, talk. You can talk all you want, but it's different when it's noise. No one ain't, no one ain't. But you got to know the territory. But you can. You can say that this is a very gendered piece, mm-hmm. but you have Rock Island at the beginning and they're doing the Pick a Little Talk Little song in their Absolutely. own vernacular. Yep. So there's a lot to mine here. You just have to be, we're now more intelligent going to the theater. Yes. So instead of erasing it, mm-hmm. go in and ask more questions and challenge it yeah. and then figure out how to actively change the next version of the music man coming out exactly well said autumn well said love it thank you and on that note everybody thank you so much for tuning in welcome to 2022 we got some more great episodes for you planned for the very near future i mean autumn we have one that is done by the writer from parade mr jason robert brown we are going back into the 1950s with another musical we have. We're even going all the way to Uganda this season for an episode. Oh, are we? That's we exciting. Are. Yes. So there you go. Stay tuned for so much more. For now, though, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out Brody Wells' wonderful latest album, Locusts, found on all music listening platforms, including, including Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, all that good stuff. Check him out. Father Flows Us. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon page for yes. Autumn and I do all types of fun stuff from movie musical commentaries to yeah. top 10 lists. Maybe we'll do top 10 Americana musicals. Yeah. Or, or yeah. something like that. You never know. Or top 10 so, Barbara Cook performances. So many. There's so, so many. So many. Right? Exactly. So yeah. subscribe for a few dollars a month. You can get a lot of extra good goodies with Autumn and I. And you also get our episodes a bit early as well. So that's always a bonus too. So that's fun. And then Autumn, where can people find and follow you? Um, well, it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Autumn DM Smith. 
yep. on all platforms. Uh, you can also follow me uh, on Facebook and Instagram at Timber Beast Productions mm -hmm. and Facebook at Littlewood Smith. So many. And uh, my other radio show, Let's Be Honest. That's right. It's good times. That's all the things, is... all the times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you can find follow me at Mackenzie Horner on all social media platforms. You can also follow my antics with Cup of Hemlock Theater, where we do theater reviews, roundtable discussions, artist interviews, and all things in between. It's a lot of fun. So check that out when you got a check second. Other than that, everybody, thank you so much. Stay healthy, stay safe. And remember, 76 trombones hit the morning sun. 110 cornets blazed away. To the rhythm of arch, 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 all the kids began to march, and they're marching still right today. Thanks, everybody.